Hey, Christ community, how you doing? Whoa, hey, look, must be a delay here. So like, hey, how you guys doing? All right, it's better, it's better. We have a, like we have a delay in the room, for those of you who are watching online, welcome to you guys too. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden, I'm one of the pastors here, awesome to be with you this weekend. Um, something cool that we've got going on here for in-person church, uh, for those of you who have littler kids, we, uh, when, when pandemic hit and we had to rush to um, a lot of the tech that's required to do online church, we took the family room, cry room, I don't know what we called it, it's the one that's connected to the sanctuary down here that has the windows and whatever, we took that from you and we put all the tech equipment in there. And you have been, if you needed to get out of here for whatever reason, your kids were with you in, in the sanctuary, you had to go stand in the hallway. And uh, that, that wasn't a good solution for us. It just took us a little bit as a church to get there because one of our core values is legacy and it's our families, our kiddos. And so um, starting last weekend, really last Sunday, we didn't get it in time for Saturday night, but last Sunday we have opened a family room. It's room 200, which is over by the cafe. So it's prime real estate. Um, run a whole bunch of new wires, new cameras, way too clear of a picture because I'm on the great big screen that's in that room for a while. And uh, we've created, we hope, a really good spot for those of you who have little kids and it's just too much to wrestle them in here, for them to be quiet, whatever it is. Marie and I had four kids. She wrestled them through worship services at different points because some days they just aren't gonna go to Kid City. And so we, just, we wanted you to know that, that that's there for you. We're trying, to, um, we're trying to honor you and make life easy for you as parents, with young kiddos. And so uh, that's, that's available for you. And we really hope it's a great space. One of the things that we've seen at a couple other churches who opened bigger rooms, like we've done, is that young families get to meet each other. And you know, so they just, even if the kids are in Kids City, moms and dads still drift to that room because that's kind of where their community is. And so we really hope this is a cool spot for you. So that's there, and uh, please take advantage of that if you need to use it. So um, we're in this series, it's called Forward. It's our vision series. We're talking about what forward looks like for us as a church in days ahead. So our vision statement as a church is to be a church of generous people who honor Jesus by loving each other and serving our neighbors. And this weekend, we're gonna talk about what that means for us to serve our neighbors, why that's a priority for us, and what our future in that looks like. And so this is, this is one of my favorite subjects, one of my favorite pieces of our vision statement. And I'm really excited to be able to talk with you about these things. So I wanna start with um, three things that Jesus said about serving our neighbors. And so what we're gonna do, I've got, um, got four little sections of three, all right? So the first is these three things that Jesus said about serving our neighbors. So he, Jesus came on the scene and, you know, son of God, God the son, focus of heaven, the one the prophets predicted, and he was really clear. And what he said about himself, this is recorded in Mark's gospel, but it's present in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It just, it's clear, Jesus said it and it made an impression on all the guys who wrote gospels. So this is, this is something that was part of his message. He said of himself, he said, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And there's a lot of things we could say about those few words, but if we could just kind of grab on to this idea today for the weekend that 
that Jesus makes this really strong connection between serving and people experiencing salvation. He's, he makes this really strong connection that, that serving is, like that is the path to people experiencing salvation. He, he could have come, set himself up as king, imposed his will and his way on the world, but he chose a different route. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this, there's this strong connection. And Jesus' mind is teaching, and for his people, there's this strong connection between serving and salvation. The second thing that Jesus said, he's talking to his followers, and he's talking about Judgment Day, and he's, he's telling them, like he's, he's imparting value and priority to them. And, and he says, on Judgment Day, the king is going to look at his people and say, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And, and he's talking about like framework, phrase that, that Christian people have maybe held on to of the least of these, of, of the people in the culture who have been looked down on, kicked to the curb, pushed to the margins, and Jesus holds that group of people so close to his heart. You know, we would call them the marginalized. That for, that for whatever reason, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily say something about them. It says a lot about the culture that there are people who get, who get pushed to the edges. That Jesus, that Jesus looks to the edges of the culture and says, those people who've been pushed out, those, are, those people are close to my heart. And they're so close to his heart that he says to serve them is to serve him. He's, he says, if you serve them, you're serving me. And so, so Jesus has, he's got a special place in his heart for people who have been pushed to the margins of, of our culture. Third thing that Jesus says. So he sat down, which is, the position of a rabbi. So he's like this, he's entering into teacher mode and making sure everybody gets it. He sits down and he calls the 12 that we know as the apostles, the 12 followers, and he said to them, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. So Jesus's way is, it's upside down. And it is, it is unnatural. To, to you and to me. It's, it's contrary to, to what we would naturally think or to what we would assume or what we would expect. And so he looks at his followers and he says, the first must be the very last, the servant of all. And, and what he's telling them is for his kind of stuff, for Jesus's things, for Jesus' stuff, the, the people who have the most influence and the people who make the greatest impact are the people who will serve. So, so this isn't just like, hey, if you wanna be great, because not, every, not everybody wants to be great. Not everybody wants to be first. A lot of people are happy with being just pretty good in the middle of the pack, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. What Jesus is doing with his disciples here, he's not, he's not telling them, like, here's how you could be great. He's telling them the people who have the most impact 
The people in Jesus's way are the people who are willing to serve, be the very last, be the servant of all. So he just, he just set this thing up for his followers and for, for his church that, that the path for us to be, to be influential, to have impact, to be able to bring his kind of life, to bring his kind of light into the circles that you and I run, into the community that we would love to reach, like the path to that is to serve. So, so the church prioritizes serving our neighbors. And, and like we prioritize that as Christ Community Church, but this has, been, this has been priority of the church since the very first days. You know, after Jesus went back to heaven and in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes and the church is born and, and the church has served its neighbors. It's loved each other and served its neighbors from those very first days. And if you read some of the ancient history, particularly coming out of Rome, you see for those first couple of centuries of the church, I mean, when, when plagues hit and that kind of, like everybody ran away, but the Christians, the Christians stayed and the Christians ran to it. And Christians are known for, um, one of the emperors in the fourth century, he wrote about the Christian people. He called them pagans because they worshiped a different God than the Romans. But he, what he said of them is he said, he said, those people, those people don't just take care of themselves, they take care of our poor also. And just so the church has had this history of, of running to our neighbors and serving them with the strong desire that they would get to participate in God's salvation. So, so it's been part of the church. So, so for us here in the West, for about the last 150 years, church in the West has, has struggled some with serving our neighbors. And I just want to unpack that for you a little bit. And just, it's interesting to me. It was helpful to me. It, I've learned a lot from it. I'm thinking through, like, for, for me as a, as a Christian person, how I serve, how I engage. And, and so I want to share with you what I think are three really big mistakes that the, the big C, capital C, church has made in, in the last 150 years or so. So this isn't, this isn't a shot at anybody or any particular church. This isn't a criticism of you know, Christ Community Church. This is just this is some observation. It's not unique to me. These are mistakes that we've made. And I think the reason we can talk about them, the beauty of it is that as a church, Big C Church, we, we're learning from our mistakes and we're moving forward in these things. So let me give you these three mistakes that the Big C Church has made. The first one is, in the last 150 years or so, we have separated serving our neighbors from sharing the gospel. So as best I can figure, and, I, and this is just a huge overgeneralization, so give me some grace in some of this, because you know, nobody wants to be here till you know, another hour. And not everybody loves a history lesson. So we're gonna start in 1880, all right? Um, so back in 1880 in Germany, there's this school of thought that surfaced in some of the seminaries there. It was criticism of the scripture and really began to call into question, is, is the Bible the inspired, inerrant, authoritative word of God? 
All of it? Some of it? Which parts? So there was this big, it was an academic discussion at that point in the 1880s. And what begins in the seminaries eventually makes its way into the churches. And so what happened, you know, in the seminaries in Germany, that school of thinking made its way to the United States and into the seminaries, the most of which were connected to our mainline denominations. So what you see is in the early 1900s, the, the pastors and leaders of the bulk of American Christianity are now questioning is the Bible the inspired, authoritative, inerrant word of God? Or some of it, all of it, like which parts? And so they're asking those questions and that ultimately filters down into the churches. And, and part of that questioning re resulted in this idea that, that God's goal for people is not so much like an individual conversion relationship with Jesus, eternity in heaven, what God was about was societal transformation. So if, if we just, if we can transform society, if we can make things better, we're accomplishing what God has for people. And that was, that was being taught. And it was being embraced by too broad a brush here, but mostly by some of the mainline denominations. But the more conservative, independent, and evangelical, we call them evangelical churches, were looking at that and saying, they said no to like they'd said yes, that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, authoritative word of God, and they were looking at, no, God's goal for humankind is not societal transformation. It is, it is a relationship with Jesus that lasts for all eternity. And the, the more evangelical group that was saying yes to the authority and inerrancy of Scripture began to call what the other group was doing, they called it the social gospel. And so this, this social gospel was the desire to transform society, and this other group over here was like, nope, it's about conversion of the individual. And, and what you see in, is this about in the 1920s, roughly, in the United States, you see, you see the conservative evangelical church really swinging away and and reacting to this social gospel thing and moving from we engage with meet people's needs, betterment of you know, the living conditions of people, justice work, but you see the church really kind of moving away from that to, to do conversion work, gospel proclamation. And that lasted roughly till about the 1980s or 90s. So you have this, for those 60, 70 years, you have this one group saying societal transformation, the other one saying personal conversion. And I don't have any experience in the mainline denominations, but I do have experience in evangelical Christianity. And I know, you know, for, for me, there was, I was part of that separating serving our neighbors from sharing the gospel. So I don't know what help you're doing. I don't know what help that is to bring food to them, they need Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, and this is, this is where the ch church, like where we got sideways, was people need both. Right? If you're hungry, do you, you need food. And if you are apart from Jesus, you need forgiveness in life. And, 
it's really hard to hear a gospel message when your belly is empty. And what we saw, and again, really broad strokes, okay? So really broad strokes. What we saw is we saw people who had enough and more than enough standing in front of people who didn't have enough, not helping them, but declaring the gospel to them. And, and in the, some of the worst cases, it, especially some places overseas, it produced what people later began to call, they called them rice Christians, because the, the people with more than enough would, would show up, and if you listen to this message, and if you respond to this message, then we will give you food, because you become one of us, and, and of course everybody's hungry, will become one of whoever has food to offer. And so it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't on purpose. It was, it was well-motivated, but it, it got us to some places that, that we didn't wanna go. And, and when you separate loving, serving our neighbors with sharing the gospel, serving neighbors loses its power for bringing salvation, and the message of salvation loses kind of the love of God for people in the circumstances that they're in. And so in the 1990s, it really began to move back to evangelical, yes to the Bible, authority and inerrancy, scriptures saying, yeah, we gotta serve our neighbors. So, the, so, so this is like the last 30 years, the evangelical church has been moving back to, to serving our neighbors. And, and really embracing what, the, the Apostle Paul wrote it in one of his letters to the Thessalonians. What he said to him was, he said, um, we loved you so much, we shared not only the gospel, but also our lives with you. And so, so we've done a, the church is doing a good job of, of coming back and bringing, serving our neighbors and sharing the gospel back together because those two things, they go hand in hand. So that was the first mistake. Second mistake that the church the last 150 years has made is seeing service as a project. Now, there's nothing wrong with a service project, right? There's, no, there's nothing wrong with a service project. That's just a way of delineating, like, <laughs> this is a special thing and it's gonna take some time and energy and money and we're gonna do this thing. So there's nothing wrong with a service project. But this, I think this started in the 1990s, at least in my observation, because I was definitely, I was in ministry then and I was paying attention to these things and really remember seeing the conservative evangelical church start to say yes to our neighbors and we started to say yes to them in, in project sort of ways. And so, so we, would, we would go serve and then we would come back to our selves. And again, there's nothing wrong with a service project, but if, you're, if your view of service is that serving is a project, I think what happens in that, you know, it's the two problems with this, at least the two problems. People are smart. People on the margins are really savvy. Like, they're really smart. They, they get people. And, and the people that were being served in these projects, they became the project. And nobody wants to be a project, right? And so, so, 
seeing service as a project where this is something we go do to help some people who need help and then come back really devalued and dishonored the people that we were trying to help. And again, it wasn't on purpose. We're, the church is in learning mode. The church is in making corrective behavior. And so it's, it's forward, but some of it's sideways and maybe you know, a little bit back. And so you have these service projects where people begin to feel like a project. And then the other piece that's, that's the mistake in seeing service as a project is that biblically, Jesus, Jesus said his people are to be servants. You know, if, if, you're gonna have, if you're gonna have gospel influence and you're gonna have gospel impact, the way to that in Jesus's kingdom that is totally upside down from anything you and I, like naturally we would drift to or think is the way, Jesus says if you're gonna have influence and impact with my kind of stuff, you have to be a servant. And being a servant is very different than doing a service project. And, and what the church, not just Christ's community, the big C, the conservative evangelical church, we accidentally did in all this as we, as we did these service projects is we, we taught ourselves that we do service projects. And we missed out on what that really looks like to be the very least, the very lowest, the servant of all, to use Jesus's words. Third big mistake that the church made, and this is fun, <laughs> um, is church was doing relief when development is needed. Relief and development are two different kinds of serving and ministry and moving towards people. Relief is exactly what it sounds like. You know, there's this bad situation and people step in to help. One of them for us in the, you know, the recent past in the American church was Hurricane Katrina. And, you know, when that happened, just not just the churches, but churches were part of that, just rushed to the scene and, and made decisions and did things and did what was needed to be helpful. And so that's relief. And what the Western church, particularly the American church does, you know, in rushing, in rushing to relief, whether that's in our own country or whether that's somewhere else, is we bring our, um, we bring our American know-how, ingenuity, wealth, drive, passion for fixing things, passion for getting things done, and, and we tend to stay in relief mode way longer than is necessary. We're, we were slow to transition into what we would call development. So what happens when you do relief where development is needed is you create an unhealthy dependence. So the people who need relief, like you definitely bring relief to that situation, but at some point, when relief continues to pour in, but we're past the point of the need for relief, now you have people who become dependent in an unhealthy way on another group of people, and that other group of people who have 
if somebody is in an unhealthy way dependent on you and we're, we're trying to traffic in Jesus's kind of stuff, you, you've almost kind of set yourself up. You kind of have Messiah, like you're kind of their Messiah, not Jesus. And none of this was on purpose. None of this was on purpose. This, this just happened as, as the church tried to figure out, okay, how do we serve our neighbors? So, so in 2009, so, so now, like, we've, we've fast-forwarded from 1880 to 2009. I'm going so fast through the decades. Like, it just... So in 2009, there was this book written called When Helping Hurts. And what the authors of When Helping Hurts were saying in their book, other people had been saying for a while, but that book was, to my knowledge, the first time that the big C church in the West, particularly in the United States, heard this. It was being said, we couldn't hear it. And, and then we heard it. And so, so there's been a move in American Christianity to, to, be, to be wise in helping people, doing relief when relief is needed, and doing development when development is needed. And the beauty of development is that recognizes the dignity and affirms, not just recognizes, but affirms the dignity of people as being created in the image of God. And, and so development begins to ask people who we see from our seat, who we see as being in need, the first question is like, hey, what do you need? Because it's, it's really easy to walk into, if you're doing relief, you know, if you're, if you're the EMT on the scene, you're not asking the person laying on the ground, what do you need? You see the situation and you make decisions about what they need. And, and so the church had gotten really good at walking into other people's lives and saying, okay, here, let me tell you what you need. Well, okay, if they're laying there on the ground, but once, once they're kind of on their feet and the bleeding stopped, then you gotta, like, they need to contribute to that conversation. So asking them, what do you need? And letting them begin to articulate what they need. And lo and behold, as the church got better at asking and listening to the answer of that question, some of the things that the church was trying to bring to the table, they were like, we don't need that, we don't need that. Like, that, that stuff creates more problems for people. We don't need that. And so, so allowing, giving people the dignity of being able to communicate what they need. And then the next question is like, what do you have? Towards what you need, what do you already have? And then what do you need from us? So that, so that now we're in, we're in a give and take relationship that affirms the value and the dignity of people's life and, and, and it, helps, it helps the mutuality of the relationship. Because not very many people wanna participate in a relationship where you don't bring any value. Right, so, so in these development kind of relationships, not just conversations, but in, in development relationships, now we get to engage with people who they're gonna add value to our lives too. And it's, again, it's, it's just this beautiful thing that, that the church, over the last 150 years or so, the church in the West, particularly in the United States, we've made some big mistakes, but we've made some really great progress in this. And so, so we as a church, we get, 
we get to stand on the shoulders of people who've gone before us and we get to listen to really smart people about what does it mean to really serve and how do you do that in healthy ways so that that serving can be connected to this salvation that God wants to bring into people's lives. And biblically, God cares about communities. He cares about what life is like for people. He loves them and he wants to see us, he loves us, he wants to see us flourish in relationship with each other and as our relationships flourish, that gives us opportunity to share about Jesus and about his kind of stuff. So, so we're, making, we're making strides as the big C church and it's, it's fun to kind of be at this time in history and be able to watch this stuff and participate in it and for you and me, Christ Community Church, again, we get to, we get to live watching and learning from mistakes that other people have made. And if you've been involved in serving your neighbors, you've probably gone through what I went through and preparing for our time together, just each one of these things, it's like, oh, I remember when I did that. I remember when I did that. I remember when I did that. And, but we've, we've all gotten to grow and we've gotten to grow forward in these kinds of things. All right, so let me, let me give you three things moving forward for us as a church. And I'm taking these three things out of Luke chapter 10, Jesus's parable of the Good Samaritan. So if you've been around church, this one's familiar to you. Jesus is, he's being questioned by an expert in the Jewish law gets asked, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what do you think? And the guy says, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yep, you're on your way, buddy, to what, you know, you've got the answer. And the guy said, so the guy wants to justify himself. He's trying to narrow the, who's my neighbor? Right? Who's my neighbor? And so Jesus, in response to the who's my neighbor question, I'm, let me read this for you, and then I got three things. So Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, just two days wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So then Jesus asked the guy a question. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So, so this idea of like being a neighbor, of serving our neighbors is about being a neighbor. And so for us as a church, just reading through that little account, I got, I got three things that I, I wanna kind of affirm in us and challenge us with a little bit. So, so where we're headed as a church who serves our neighbor, the first word I would put on this is, is personal. It's personal. 
the Samaritan who is the neighbor, he was up close and personal with the guy who was in need. I think it's Michael Horton who said, and I've shared this quote with you guys before, and it just, it, it really landed for me. Loving a cause is easy. Loving your neighbor is hard. And, and it is, it's easier to, to have a cause that doesn't really have a name or a family or you know, a few families that you know and that you're engaged with. And we have made awesome strides as a church in building relationships here in our community and in, and in serving our neighbors. But I think the next step for us is, it's not just that we are serving our neighbors, but it is that I am serving my neighbor and you are serving your neighbor. And, and that we would lovingly expect that of each other. You know, that, that there is, that if, if we're talking about serving our neighbor and you know that you're part of a church that is, that is generous and is connected and is involved and shares Jesus' heart for the people who are on the margins, it's, it's not enough to just be connected to a church who, who is that way. It's great to be connected to a church who is that way, but, in, but a step forward for us is when all of us have, have healthy, interdependent, value add both ways relationships with people that we're serving and Jesus is kind of stuff, God's salvation is flowing in the context of those relationships. And, and in saying like for me and for you, I'm not saying you need to do this alone. I would say the opposite. Jesus never sent his people to go do something by themselves. He always sent them together. And so you're gonna hear, those of you who participate in our annual meeting this weekend, you're gonna hear a little more about this, but one of the things that we're gonna challenge our life groups to is that 25% that of our life groups, by the end of 2022, 25% of our life groups have not just a cause, but friends. That, that they, friendships that they're developing, people that they are serving, that they're in these mutually beneficial, mutual value added relationships for Jesus's kind of stuff. And, and so for us as a church, the next, big next step for us is that, that serving our neighbors really becomes personal for us. It's, it's the people of Christ Community Church serving the people of our community and beyond. So, so personal is that first word. Second word is courageous. Courageous. So I, I think about this Samaritan rolling up on the scene. Probably didn't roll up. What are you doing on a donkey? Riding. Riding. Good. Riding up on the scene, and all we know about him from Jesus' story is he was a man, and he's, he's been beat half to death. So, so we don't know 
We don't know really what's wrong with him other than he's been beat really badly. We don't know what kind of person he is. We don't know if he touches him, will it hurt him more? So many things that we don't know. And we don't know, like the man in the story doesn't know, are those robbers still around? Right, because if, if they're still around and I stop, and we know he's got money on him because he gives at least two days worth of wages to the innkeeper a little later in the story, if I stop, am I gonna end up in the same spot as this dude? And if you're going to build relationships and if you're, gonna, if you're gonna come in the posture of a servant, it could be messy, you could be taken advantage of. We just talked about three really big mistakes that the church has made in the last 150 years. You could make a mistake. All kinds, like there are, there are 100 reasons you could not do it. And Jesus looks at his people and he says, if you're gonna have impact and influence and my kind of stuff, you're gonna be a servant of all. And I really have a heart for the people who are on the margins. So if, you're, if you wanna find me, if you wanna minister directly to me, find those guys and love them and be in relationship with them. There's, there's all kinds of potential for mess there, for difficulty, for, for danger for putting yourself in harm's way, relationally, emotionally, physically. And loving your neighbor is not for cowards. It's not for cowards, it's, it takes courage. And in saying that to you, I wanna quote to you what the Apostle Paul wrote to one of his young pastors, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse seven, God has not given us a spirit that leads us into fear. If you're a believer in Jesus, God's Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he has, that's the spirit of God is not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And so, so you, may, you may look at a situation and, and run through all the reasons that you, you can't or shouldn't get involved in all the ways you feel about stepping into that, but the truth of the matter is God did not give you a spirit of fear. Fear is not from the spirit of God. He gave you a spirit of power and love and self-discipline, and so we're, we're gonna be courageous in our loving and serving our neighbors. So to step into stuff, maybe you don't feel safe. If God's calling you to it, let's go. So courageous, second word. Third word is sacrificial, sacrificial. And you expected this, right? Given of ourselves, given of our time, given of our energy, given of our money, given of our resources, there is a price tag for sure to, to entering into relationship with other people, to, to serving, entering into serving relationships with other people, there's a price tag to all this. But if we'll pay that price, if we'll pay that price, we, we get to reap the benefits and the blessings that come with obedience to Jesus. We get to participate in that connection between serving and salvation. We get to make friends 
who will add value to our lives. I mean, so so there's, there is a price to pay in all of this, but there's also a payback and a, and a payoff in all of this for us. And so, so we're, we're gonna be people who are, who are sacrificial. I mean, nothing good happens without sacrifice. So, so we're, gonna, we're gonna step in and be sacrificial in relationships for serving our neighbors. All right, so, so that's three things that are forward. Let me give you, and I don't have a slide for this, but I just, I'm gonna give you three things that I'm excited about for us at Christ Community Church as it relates to serving our neighbors. And I, I want you to feel this for me. The first thing that I'm really excited about because I think this is, when I think about our future as a church, these three things energize me, all right? And they're about you. So the first one is that, that we are yes people. We're yes people. We have, we have already said yes to the Lord. I just, he hasn't made all the asks that he's gonna make of me and of you, but we're a church of yes people. I mean, that, that's our culture. So as, as people who've already said yes, then, then we know that whatever the next step for you, for the life group that you're part of, for me, for our church, like we've already said yes to all that, and so we're gonna, like we're gonna keep being yes people, and so that's, that energizes me. This, I don't feel like I'm gonna have to talk our church into taking next steps. We've, we've said yes, and so we're going forward. Second thing, we have developed some real mutually beneficial relationships with people who've been marginalized. As a church, we, we have those relationships already. Many of you participate in some of those, those relationships. You have some experience with some of those relationships that people who, people who our culture has said, like, you guys get to the edges. This church has said, you're welcome here because you're like us, right? We're, we're all messed up. We're all broken. We, in a different cultural setting, every one of us could be pushed to the edges for things that are true about us. And so we, I mean, who are we to look at another human being and say, you belong over there? And, and God has honored that. And we, we have, like, we're a church that has people from all sorts of places in whatever hierarchy our culture would assign to them. And we've experienced, like, we've experienced the value add of people who our culture would say they belong on the edges. And we say, no, you belong here. And we want we wanna be in interdependent relationship with you. We've, we've gotta be part of that. And so, so we know, like we get, to, we get to experience that. And that, again, that energizes me because, because we're, not, we're not one of those middle-class suburban churches that there's actually a term for this in, in development, Christian development circles. It's called NIMBY. And it stands for not in my backyard. And w- what, the, like that, that logo gets hung on some churches by people who are serving others, Christian people who are serving others, because those churches say, hey, that's not the kind of church we are. Those aren't the kind of people we serve. And that's like Christ community. We, we, we serve, like we're here and we're all messed up. Jesus is gonna fix us all. Like, so we're, we're good with that. And we've experienced the value add, the mutual value of those relationships. So that's the second, we've, we're already experiencing this. So it's really cool, we get to move forward in that. And then the third thing is we have people in our church who have been serving our neighbors really well for a long time. And so they're gonna help us move forward because 
they've learned a lot of things and they're not afraid of some of the stuff that some of us who are new to this haven't experienced yet. And so, boy, to have somebody alongside of you saying, yeah, you can do this. Um, we've, we've done this before. God's faith, like he'll take care of us. You can do this. That helps tremendously. And so we've got people who are ahead in this. And then the other thing that we've got is we have, we have good mutually beneficial partnerships with people in our community and people around the globe who will help steer us away from some of these mistakes that the Big C Church has been making and steer us into these mutually beneficial relationships. And we get to be in the, we are, those partnerships exist and, and they're gonna help us. And so we have, we have every advantage we have every advantage right now. The spirit of God lives in us and he says forward and we've said yes already even though we don't know what forward looks like and we've already experienced the benefit of some of this and so if there's benefit what we've gone to to this point, man, there's more benefit as we take next steps and we have people who are gonna help us go along the way. So I, so I share all that with you and what kind of wrap it all up and just say that we have great days ahead. We do, we have great days ahead as a church Serving and salvation connected, God cares about our community and he's gonna use us. If, if we'll take the very last place, if we'll be the servant of all, impact and influence beyond anything you and I could imagine. Great days ahead. So can I pray for us? Would you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? So Lord Jesus, we honor you and just are really grateful that you have already, you have served us in the way that we're called to serve others. And you have, by your spirit, fully equipped us to take our next steps. And we're, we're raising our hands saying, yes, we'll do that. And so I pray for myself and I pray for my friends who are here in this room. I pray that you would, you would grow our comfort zones, that you would, that you would give us a divine, a Holy Spirit confidence to step towards people that we see and those spots where our compassion is aroused so that your good news can flow along the lines of compassion and, and relationship and service. Good stuff. So thank you for letting us be part of it. Jesus, we love you, and we honor you by saying yes to you, and we pray these things in your name, amen. Hey, thanks for being here this weekend, guys. It's been really good to be with you. Um, for those of you who are online, if you'd like prayer, your service host would be glad to pray for you. There's a prayer button, or you could just type a message to them. Those of you here in person, it doesn't have to be about what we're talking about this weekend. If you want somebody to pray with you over something that's going on in your life, there'll be prayer leaders down here in the front. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. I love you. We'll see you next week.